What's going on, everybody? This is the Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those that are tired of listening to boring stats all day. This is episode 26. I'm here with Paul Orlando. No Bobby Amendola this week, but he will be back next week. He's got some personal things going on, good personal things going on. I'm sure we will all hear about it in the next couple days of what is going on in Bob's life. But we're happy for him, aren't we? Yeah, no, John, we are. Very exciting stuff going on with Bob. We're not going to touch on it here, but just know that he is healthy. Everything's good with him. This is all good things that are happening to Bob. But he's not here with us, and we miss him dearly. But the show must go on. Yes, it will. And we've made it another episode. And maybe if you're listening to this, you've made it to championship week. Paul, did you make it to any championships in any of your leagues? I did. So I actually won one of four of my leagues. And our championship game was this past weekend that just happened. It is a 10-team league, so I think that's why that happened. Only four four teams advanced. So I did. I won the championship in that league, which the nice thing about it is I do, and I'm sure John does too, put a pretty penny into fantasy football. You know, the leagues start adding up and the buy-ins. I feel like as we get older, the buy-ins get bigger. And that just makes it that much more fun. But I have profited in my fantasy all year this year. So that's all I can ask for the leagues. Once I get paid for this other league, I will have profited a hundred dollars. So sweet. That's all. That's the nice thing about fantasy. If any of you out there are like, I only want to do one league. I don't want to do more like one. Yes, it is more to keep track of, but the nice thing about it is just this is my one team, especially our draft league the one that bob john and i are in personally my team was kind of ass and i sucked but luckily i drafted well in the other league and now i made my money back and we're good to go i'm plus some so don't be afraid to join more leagues don't go crazy and join like 10 that's just insane but it's okay to do three four or five do what you're comfortable with i also think that the more leagues you're in it gives you more exposure to more players so i think it actually ends up making you better at fantasy in the long term especially if you're drafting different players for each team yeah, John, that's actually a fantastic point because it does expose you to more players, good mm-hmm. or bad. I am playing for my money back in two leagues. I'm going I'm in the third place match in in two out of four leagues. So, I'm hoping to break even in those, but then the other leagues, I believe it was like a $50 buy-in. That was a dynasty league. I will not win that league for years. My team is so bad. And <laughs> the other league was my work league. That was a heartbreaker, but I'm out of the playoffs. So, Made it to the playoffs in three out of the four, upset in two out of the four in the first round of the playoffs, but deservedly so, lost in the semifinals. My team was not a semifinal team. I'm just happy I made it there. So going for the third place match in in about half of my league. Speaking of fantasy playoffs, we will be recapping the semifinal round. We'll do a little look ahead to championship week, but what we're really focusing on today is the stars who stayed true to their hero title, right? So we have like stars that have just been stars all year and then we had stars that just decided to stop playing football paul this week the week before once playoffs started you name it so many first round talent just chose not to play and a lot of first and second round talent chose to continue to play very well which you know hopefully brought you to the championship if you're listening to this podcast so that's what we're going to be going over today paul yeah i'm really excited there are a lot of super notable names on this zeros list that we have compiled together. 
And it just sucks because these guys were, God, they were doing so well for all of your teams every week. And then it just seems like when it mattered most, when you needed that 30-point game, you got an absolute dud. Dud. So if you were playing somebody who had these guys, you're probably over the moon. I know I personally, this the one player we're going to talk about on the zeros list, my opponent had in the championship game. And it, I'm not going to lie to you, I won the week because of this player shitting the bed. So I'm personally thankful. I know a lot of people are not thankful, but there are two sides of the coin, John. Yes, there are. All right. So Paul, we'll go over a hero that was a zero in the semifinal matches and then a hero that remained a hero. We'll go back and forth until we finish our list. We have five players on each side of the coin, plus an honorable mention for each side too. Paul, how about you start off with the first zero? Let's start on the negative side because you know it's fantasy football. You're always focused on the negative. So that's how, true. You know, everyone's always like, oh, like angry. So let's start off with the zeros. <laughs> let's blow out some steam here because this guy, this guy didn't play all season, but when he came back, he was full throttle and helped a lot of people get to the playoffs. So, Paul, take it away with our first zero. Yeah. So, our first zero that we thought of was a superstar receiver who had 1.4 points this week. 1.4 point, 1.4 point. It is sadly points. Uh, Somehow it's more than one. Yeah, that's true. And that player is DeAndre Hopkins. And this was, I'm going to say it's 99.9% Trace McSorley's fault for what happened here. But fantasy managers still expected much more from D-Hop than a 1.4 game, even with a backup quarterback in. It's not like he just like completely disappeared from the game script. He had 10 targets throughout this game. 10 targets, which is a very healthy wide receiver one volume. And to just have literally one catch for four yards, it wasn't even like a chunk play. It was four yards. I don't even remember the catch because the play didn't even matter. It just, I it, the play didn't even stand out. I was like, oh, there's D hop. But yeah, it was really bad. The Cardinals are just an absolute dumpster fire. Cliff Kingsbury, I feel like has lost that locker room. Kyler Murray is again in his own right an asshole. I don't like Kyler Murray, but Trace McSorley was, he came in and D hop just disappeared, disappeared off the map. Yeah. And obviously you have to start him, but you know that if you're a manager of D hop, you were scared because of who was under center, but you have to start D hop. And we've said before, good talent finds a way to put up good scores in fantasy. So, I mean, Hey, 10 targets. If D hop had caught, did you watch the game? Were the, did you watch it? I watched bits and pieces of it. This was the Christmas Day night game. So we had it on in the background, and it was just the few pieces of the game that I actually consistently watched, like maybe a full drive or something like that. It was just an ugly, awful game. It just sucked. Tom Brady looked like shit. The Cardinals looked like shit. It's just – it was a bad game. Yeah, and it it sucks because, you know, you'd think that if – D-Hop had caught eight out of those 10 targets. He would have made some type of magic happen. You know, I don't know if we can completely just blame it on McSorley throwing horrible balls because I don't think fantasy counts a target if it's like a overthrown pass or anything like that. I'm not really sure. It has to be somewhat of a targeted pass, not just like McSorley throwing it to where D-Hop's running to. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're right. That's true. And yep. McSorley did throw the ball 45 times. Wow. So D-Hop definitely let you guys down. He definitely could have been responsible to you losing in your semifinal match. So if you are a D-Hop owner, I apologize. But let's move on over to the heroes that remained a hero. 
We have this guy. He was drafted in the second round, I believe early to mid-second round, and he goes by the name of C.D. Lamb. He had mm-hmm. an excellent game, and it was horrible to watch due to me being an Eagles fan because he was just cooking our defensive backs. Darius Slay was not lined up against C.D. Lamb the whole night, so when C.D. Lamb had those mismatches, Dak Prescott did an excellent job at picking those mismatches up and just was able to throw C.D. Lamb any type of ball, and he was able to catch it. He had 10 catches on 11 targets, averaged 12 yards a catch, and he had two touchdowns too. And they were pretty clutch touchdowns too at very important times. And what I think is nice about this game is that CeeDee Lamb didn't have the best game against the Eagles when they played earlier at Lincoln Financial Field in Week 6. He pretty much doubled his stat line. I think he had five catches for 60 or 70 yards against us and no touchdowns. So an was average Dak game. playing in that game? The first time the Eagles and Cowboys played, do you remember if Dak was, no. was Cooper Rush? Dak was not playing, yeah. But Cooper Rush was playing well for the Cowboys like those weeks. So He really was. And CeeDee Lamb was actually benefiting from Cooper Rush. Like, they're... There was a big, pretty big debate about when Dak comes back, is that actually negative for CeeDee Lamb? Yep, exactly. And I think that has proven wrong. Dak is clearly the better quarterback for the Cowboys. He did a good job. The way the game started out, it didn't look like the Eagles were going to own the Cowboys, but they just, you know, home field advantage really took part and helped them win that game. And CeeDee Lamb, deservedly so, Helped people get into the championship with that. What did he finish with? He got like 30 I think it was like points. 34. 34 points. I mean, come on, man. That's just really good. His second best game of the year, he had 38 against Green Bay. Had a very similar stat line. So, yeah, if you catch the ball 10 times, you're guaranteed to have a plus 25-point game most likely. Yeah. And do you remember any big touchdowns? I know he had two touchdowns. Any like long touchdowns? Any 40-plus? I don't know if he had a 40 i know he had one that was in the red zone and i think he did cook he did cook us for one i forget there were so many touchdowns scored that game it was all yeah, it was a great game to watch <laughs> all right so let's move on to our next zero another first round pick late first round pick some people were afraid to draft him because of a new team but from the first week on he was proving that he was the right receiver to pick in the first round especially if you were on the fence of drafting some running backs in the later rounds and you chose to go with Devontae Adams. It worked well in your favor. Devontae Adams is our zero of the semifinal week. Paul, what was that stat line that he had? So yeah, Devontae Adams, again, a little bit better than D-Hop, but not by much at all. Actually, I can say that Devontae Adams doubled DeAndre Hopkins' points, which (laughs) isn't saying much at all. Devontae only had two catches for 15 yards. He's very similar to D-Hop, had nine targets, so it's not like he wasn't a part of the game script. But we all know that the East Coast and much of the country got obliterated with this disgusting cold weather. In some places it was raining, in some places it was snowing. It was just freezing rain, snow, whatever have you. So this will really be the only time I bring up the weather because everybody knows that and everybody saw that. And it absolutely did take effect on Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. But... The Raiders offense just struggled immensely this week anyway. And we're going to talk about, we're, should I do a preview? Yeah, no. One of the guys we're going to talk about. People are probably expecting it. Yeah. Josh Jacobs is on this list. (laughs) Yeah, Josh Josh Jacobs is on this list, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But just the entire Raiders offense as a whole did not get anything going. It was just Derek Carr. Just, I like Derek Carr. I think he's got the arm talent. I don't know if he's, going to be an above average quarterback ever in his career but 
I do like him in the inclement weather. Just Derek Carr's arm is not strong enough to sling the ball around like he needed to. Yeah, it was a bad week for the weather to just take control of the season here. You see these names like D-Hop, Devontae Adams, and of course Josh Jacobs. Like These were all players that just ascended your team up the standings and were league winners. And at the worst time of your year, I mean, the only worst time that they could underperform is in the championship, but at least you made it to the championship. You know, I actually, I didn't own a single of these zeros for a whole year, so I didn't have to deal with this pain, but I did play against Devontae Adams in one league, and yes, like we alluded to before we started talking about these players, there's two sides to the coin, and I was scared to play against Devontae Adams in the semifinals. I was projected to lose. Once I saw Devontae Adams have that underperformance, I thought I had a chance, and I still lost. So, yeah, but Devontae Adams, two Again, another high target game with low catches. I think that does say a lot about the weather. Like, you can be an NFL player, you can have played in the cold before, but sometimes it is just so cold that when that ball hits your hands, you're just not able to catch it. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's been the biggest knock on, not to go on a tangent, but it's the biggest knock on Aaron Rodgers. Most of Aaron Rodgers in the Packers' career, while Aaron Rodgers under center, they make it to the playoffs. And then where do they struggle? In the playoffs, because they're playing in Lambeau in disgusting weather in January, and Rodgers can't throw the ball like he's used to doing. So the weather certainly plays effect, but it's not still, it's an excuse, but fantasy managers don't care. They just want their stars to put up points. Yes, yeah, exactly. All right, so then let's move on. To our next hero, this guy was like, he was a wide receiver too on the team. So we knew who the first receiver you had to get if you were drafting someone on this team. But you knew that this guy was ascending. It's his second year in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. we knew that he was going to either be just as good or even better than last year. And that's Jalen Waddell. He had a hell of a game against the Packers, which is crazy because Tua did pretty bad. And Jalen Waddell actually did better than Tyreek Hill. He had 143 yards and a touchdown, and that was just off of five catches, which I think just says a lot about Waddle's big playability. He's that guy that you don't need to draft in, like, the first two rounds. I mean, well, what do you think that he'll be a top-two-round pick next year? I don't. I think as long as Tyreek Hill is there, he will be a third, fourth round, and that's exactly where I got him. I got him in the late third. Yeah, and that's excellent value. Like, he's one of the best wide receiver twos on in the league that's clearly the best tandem that you got right now is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle we just hope that Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy next year and be able to throw them the ball because if they do have their backup in I'm not saying that Waddle is gonna suck but they're definitely gonna take a huge decrease in points yeah but seeing five catches on six targets for 143 yards and a touchdown, that's clear that he's able to make big plays happen once he gets oh, the ball. Yeah. That's just excellent value getting Jalen Waddle. He is currently the wide receiver eight in PPR and honestly had, had a rough outing in weeks 13 and 14 when you were trying to make the playoffs and possibly even the first round of the playoffs. If you were able to survive in the playoffs and you had Jalen Waddle in the semifinals, you can be happy that you plugged him in against a decent Green Bay defense and you know he helped you push into the championship round and he's got new england next week so that's a tough matchup for championship yeah that is that's like the last matchup you really want to see just with there are some 
and two is not playing next week, most likely. So that's it's, right. We start next week in the championship, and they're in New England too. I mean, this is getting worse and worse. Oh yeah, that sucks. That is not good. The only little shining light is that we've talked about it really all year when we talk about Bill Belichick and his defense. Is he is known to take away your star, like he yep. takes away the superstar. And so maybe you could hold on to some hope that Belichick's just going to focus all of his wisdom on Tyree Kill, exactly. which will open up Jalen Waddle. But Bill Belichick's a pretty smart guy, and if we're sitting here both saying that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both wide receiver ones, they're superstars, I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick knows that too. So look for Bill to completely shut down the pass game, especially with a backup quarterback playing. Yep, exactly. All right, we got another zero. This guy has been horrible leading – Let's let me – let's see. This guy has not put up a good game – since week 14, which is the first. So he got you to the playoffs. Certainly he got you to the playoffs. I mean, he could have helped you been a first-place team this year. But then once he decided to get you to the playoffs, that first week of the playoffs, he was like that SpongeBob episode where he's like sitting on the chair and he's like, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't really feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> that's Stefan Diggs. He, he had six points against the Jets in the first week of the playoffs. Then he played against the Dolphins. He got you 11 points. And then semifinal rounds come around. It goes against the Bears, which, you know, you would expect the Bills to just torch the Bears in all different mm-hmm. types of ways, running the ball, throwing the ball, you name it. And he puts up a whopping 4.6 points, Paul. Talk to me about that. What was his stat line? Yeah, so he had two targets. So unlike Devontae and D-Hop, Diggs just did not get the ball thrown to him this week. He only had two targets, which he did catch both of those for 26 total yards. And again, the weather, I'm not going over that again. It was the weather. Josh Allen's arm, in my opinion, is strong enough to throw the football a mile, even in the North Pole. Like when Santa's taken off on Christmas Eve to deliver all those gifts, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen could shoot him out of the sky. Probably. And so... Stephon Diggs, it was disappointing, man, especially like the first five or six weeks of this fantasy season. We were like, oh, my God, Stephon Diggs is like the undeniable like wide receiver one. Like he was playing better than Cup. And I would yeah. know because I had both Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs on my dynasty team. And I was riding that high, baby. But then Diggs did come down a little bit to earth. He has finished the last his last four games he has finished as the wide receiver 10 the wide receiver 59 the wide receiver 40 and then the wide receiver 69 so just when you needed him most he was not there so john is it fair can we say stefan diggs is not clutch can we say that no i don't think so because he doesn't he it's he's not clutch in fantasy but like the chicago bears game wasn't a big game for him yeah you know? Yeah, I'm still going to label Stephon Diggs as not clutch, and we'll be consider <laughs> and we'll be considering that in the fantasy draft next year. Like, Dude, I don't know. I'm like, Diggs did not score below 14 points until the playoffs started. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know. No, don't had, get me wrong. I'm still had, taking Diggs in the first round if he's available. But in the regular season, oh wait, no. So he did have a 10 point game against your Ravens in Week Four, but. You take that away, he had three 14-point games, and then every other game leading up to the playoffs was over 21 points. Yeah. No, Diggs is – Stephon Diggs is definitely an absolute dog. I was – if you're hearing this, please do not avoid Stephon Diggs in the draft just because I made a joke about him not being clutch. Stephon Diggs is a superstar. 
Yeah, he's still a first-round pick, in my opinion. In fact, I think a lot of these zeros that we're talking about, minus DeAndre Hopkins, I think they're all first-round picks still. We'll talk about the others coming up shortly, but I do believe that our list of zeros will remain first-round value even next year. It's just poor timing. That's what makes fantasy so great is you can be the best team in the league, you can be the number one seed with the bye, and – you know, you could have had a team of Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams on the same team. Like they, you could mm-hmm. have gotten Diggs at the 11 and Adams at the 13 or the 14. That could have happened. And then you could have drafted DeAndre Hopkins in the eighth. I mean, you literally could have had Diggs, Adams, and Hopkins all starting for you, and they combined mm-hmm. for six points. Like, yep. it's horrible. It's horrible. So let's go on to let's go on to the positive side here. This guy is the MVP of fantasy, even though he didn't win the award, I think it was just way too obvious, but Justin Jefferson, dude, I mean, he wants, I think he cares about people's fantasy teams. Oh, he 100% does. He, he reads his DMS and he sees people being like, Jettas, please going into like a Monday night game, dude, I need 33 points from you, please. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got you. And just, he, he probably drafts himself in his fantasy leagues. Like that, that's my theory. Oh, why wouldn't you like, I'm telling you this right now, like, I know Jefferson's going to be kept in our redraft league. He might be the one-of-one. He's probably going to be the one-of-one in a lot of drafts next year. He will be mine, for sure. Whenever we do our big board in the offseason, I will fight for him to be the one-of-one. So he had 16 targets, 12 catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. You couldn't just get another touchdown, dude? Come on, right? 31 points against the Giants. They cooked him, and hey... There is a reason. It was bad weather in in Minnesota. They were fucking freezing cold in that game, and he still found a way to do it. So what gives with all these zeros? Seriously, like, what is it? Like, is it just... Does Minnesota have a dome, though? Ah! Yeah, they have a dome. Not okay. Good catch. Good catch. So that's why. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it out. All right, yeah. So Justin Jefferson is just a beast. He was sometimes drafted after... Cooper Cup. He was definitely like a top five pick in most drafts. And if you own him in the semifinals, I mean, you see 31 points and you're like, there's a very high chance I'm winning this just because of one player. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it is crazy to think that you could have had, like we've talked about before, like you could have had a Justin Jefferson CD Lamb combo. You could have had a Justin Jefferson CD Lamb Jalen Waddle combo. It's just crazy the amount of talent that is on display at wide receiver in this league. And Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, is the best of the best. I agree with that, especially with Cooper Cup's injury. You know, I'm more likely to draft Justin Jefferson and possibly even Devontae Adams over Cooper Cup next year. I still, Cooper Cup. When he got injured in week 10 and it was an ACL, so he probably isn't going to miss any time next year. I think he should be good. He probably won't play in the preseason, and then you might get that typical like first two, three-week rust, like shaking the rust off. But what scares me about Cooper Cup is I'm actually glad you brought him up, and we don't have to harp on this too long, but what scares me about Cooper Cup is Matt Stafford coming back next year? Is I'm like Sean McVay going to be the coach again next year? Like The Rams are an absolute disaster. Yeah, I don't think Vay's going to get fired. I don't think the Rams are looking for a scapegoat. If anything, the scapegoat is Matt Stafford. So I yeah. think that they'll be looking for a new quarterback. I don't know who it could be, and I don't know what his contract looks like. But yeah, I think the scapegoat here is certainly Matt Stafford and maybe like their running backs coach. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like I think you gotta think. they didn't have a running game. 
Yeah, I think the Rams, what they did is they just literally sold their soul for a Super Bowl and they made their roster incredibly top heavy. And would you look at that when Cooper Cup gets hurt and then when Matt Stafford gets hurt, your team's ass. They weren't like winning football games with those guys playing. So they sold their soul for a Super Bowl, which, hey, hats off. You won one. You got it. But it does worry me a bit of having Cooper Cup in Dynasty. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, certainly. I, too, own him in one of my Dynasty Leagues. I traded two first-round picks for Cooper Cup in two separate years, and it got me to eighth place in that league. So I feel like the, Ram- I feel like the Rams right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to this guy. This guy was uh, – we've talked about him plenty of times in this podcast. He actually won an award last week for MVP, I believe. He was. And that's Josh Jacobs. It's like he heard us and he's just like, I'm going to screw everyone over. Yeah. Josh Jacobs accepted his MVP award from the eye test. And then he was like, thanks. I'm going to check out now. He did have 15 carries, which is still a good bit, but not in the eyes of what Josh Jacobs was used to. It was his first time not seeing 20 touches since week nine. And he only turned those 15 rushes into 44 yards. And then he had one target for one catch and six yards in the passing game. And again, we went over the Raiders offense. I don't think this is really Josh Jacobs' fault, even though you would have thought in the bad weather that this actually would have benefited Jacobs, where he would have been spoon-fed the ball maybe 30 times. They would have ran their entire offense through him and just played ground and pound with the Steelers, who Steelers aren't a great team, but they're not bad. They have a good D-line, too. They have a good D-line, and Minka Fitzpatrick is back there, but – which again, all signs pointed to Josh Jacobs having, you know, 30 plus touches, making some defenders miss in the bad weather where he's just more athletic than them. And it just didn't happen. And it sucks because you've grown accustomed to having Jacobs put up 30 plus points, at least 20 plus points. And then this happens. And again, right when you needed it most. And ever since he blew up for that 50-point game, he has gradually gone down. He went from 49, 21, 19, 12, 6. Again, you have to start Josh Jacobs no matter what score he put up the previous week. Again, it's just one of those things where it's like you had to do it in the semifinals. So six points for Josh Jacobs in PPR leagues. If you survived and you made it to the championship, well, he plays San Fran. (laughs) <laughs> so good luck. Have fun with that one. Yeah, and he's but still must start. You have to start him. You have to. You absolutely have to. And like we've talked about before, you, you always start your stars because if you bench your star and they have a great game against a bad matchup on your bench, you're going to be the village idiot. Start your stars, and if you lose, you lose. It was just meant to be. Yeah, it's but, the right. you did the right play. You made yeah. the right call. It's just luck wasn't on your side. Yeah, it didn't work out, but – Moving on, John, we have another running back, actually, who is the hero, and he's been a hero all year. He has been fantastic. Talk to me a little bit about this guy. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, dude. Late first-round pick. The only reason I drafted him in our redraft league was because the players before him got drafted. So I was like, I was honestly nervous to draft Saquon just because of the previous two years he's had. So I felt forced to get Saquon, and I'm so happy I did. Because I was going to draft players like Joe Mixon if he fell to me. And the biggest one that I'm so happy he didn't draft was Alvin Kamara. I thought he was going to fall all the way to the 11. And he was picked at like the 8th spot. And I was so happy that I was able to get Alvin Kamara. Or sorry, Saquon Barkley. And he stayed healthy all year. He's 
put up numerous 20-point games. Let's see. He started off hot with 32 points. 22. He had a bunch of like 18 and 19 high teens points, which you can never be upset about for your RB1. Mm-hmm. He had a couple bust weeks in week 11 and 14 against the Eagles. But other than that, it was just high teens and the big playability, the breakout potential scores that you have seen from Saquon all year. Starting in the first week of the playoffs, I mean, he killed it. 23 points against the Commanders and then a whopping 27 points against the Vikings with 14 rushing attempts and 84 yards. That's six yards a carry, Paul, with a touchdown. And then, of course, he's a dual threat running back, eight catches for 50 yards on 10 targets. The Vikings are a good team, but their defense does give up a lot of points. And the Giants are looking good. The Vikings ended up coming back and winning last sec- last second field goal, right? That was actually- yeah, dude. I think it's like their eleventh. They've set an NFL record for the most like fourth quarter comebacks in a season. Like they've won eleven of their whatever games in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I actually saw the stat today. Kirk Cousins is eleven and zero in single digit games. It's crazy. So, dude, hats off whatever. to the Vikings for being clutch because because the Vikings are clutch right now. Yeah, that reminds me of the Baltimore Orioles. I think in 2015, whenever we made it to the ALCS and we lost to the Royals, I don't know if you know this, John, but we were 56 and one in one run games that year during the regular season. Wow. Yeah, which is insane. And that just reminds me of the Vikings right now. And sometimes, like, when it's just your year, it's just your year. You know the saying, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes it happens in a good way. But the one thing I do want to say about Saquon Barkley is that you know that your player is doing really well and going above and beyond expectations when the only gripe, and I kid you not, somebody told me this, because I have Saquon in one league, and he was like, yeah, Saquon's good and all, but he never scores two touchdowns a game. And I'm like, like, dude, shut up. I'm putting up 25 points a week with Saquon. And he's like, the one knock is he he doesn't have a multi-touchdown game. Yeah, thanks. I'll take my odds on him still being a fantastic player. Yeah, seriously. He's done it so many times. And that's what I love about fantasy so much is like, it doesn't matter how you get the points. If you know that they can get the fantasy points is actually the most important stat to look at versus catches, receptions, touchdowns. Like if you just look at fantasy points, you have a pretty good idea of what they're going to get you. So many people love saying, oh, like this player's touchdown dependent. It's like, all right, how many touchdowns does he, like, does he average 10 touchdowns a year? Then I'll take it if he's touchdown dependent and he's not getting like targets or a lot of rushing attempts. Like if he's getting me touchdowns, then I'm going to put him in. That's, it's fantasy points. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And John, that is actually a fantastic segue into our next zero, unfortunately, who he still put up good points. And that guy's Nick Chubb. He still put up decent. He put up like 11. Okay, yeah. I mean, you can't get upset, but it's your RB1 and yes. Yeah, so he put up 11, which is still, again, it's fantasy is in the eyes of the beholder and people are used to Chubb going 20 plus points a week. Mm -hmm. And to go off your argument about being touchdown dependent, but he gets 10, 11, 12, 13 touchdowns a year. Guess what? That's just part of the game script. That's just who this guy is. Like he's going to score multiple touchdowns because they trust him and he is the offense. And that's Nick Chubb. And so he had 24 rushes for 94 yards, which is under five yards a carry. I think. Yeah. 3.8. Yeah. Yeah. So he had 3.8 yards per carry, which you don't want to see. We're used to Chubb going, you know, at least four plus 
in the yards per carry category. And he had one target, one catch for 10 yards. And Chubb is an absolute beast. And I just think with Sean Watson coming back, that offense just isn't where it's going to be. It changed drastically. You saw it from the running backs to the wide receivers, how that offense changed once the Sean Watson came back. Yeah. With that being said, yes, Chubb, I guess you can label him as touchdown dependent, but I like my odds when Nick Chubb and the Browns play football because Chubb is good for a touchdown a game, it seems. Yeah, and except for when Deshaun came back. He hasn't sco- he stopped scoring touchdowns the week Deshaun came back, week 13. Yeah, yeah, which is, which, is, which is crazy because you would think that Kevin Stefanski, who's not a bad coach, I mean, he won coach of the year last year or two years ago whenever he won it, but you would think that he would nurse Deshaun Watson back where he would be like, hey, like, all I need you to do is not throw interceptions when we ask you to throw the ball and the rest of the time just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and let him do his thing. Now, Nick Chubb was drafted in the middle of the second round. I think he's going to be even later next year. I'm looking at his game log. He only had five games over 20 points this year, and he started off the year like very consistent, like numbers that you could not get mad at, 15, 32, 17, 20, 26 for the first month of football. Then he had a little drop down with eight. Then he went back to 18, 25, 15, 9, 20. And then Deshaun Watson came in and he just blew everyone's dreams apart. Do you think that he'll be a middle second round pick next year? Or do you see him falling to the third round next year, Paul? I can totally see him falling. And really the main argument that comes up for me is fantasy managers, like everyday fantasy managers have recency bias. And I unfortunately fell for that too. So people are not going to remember what Chubb did in the first eight weeks when he was cruising and playing. They're going to remember when they got to playoffs or when they needed that big win in week 12 or week 13 to really set themselves apart to get into playoff picture. They're going to remember Chubb struggling then or whenever Watson came back week four to whatever it was, but they're going to remember that and they're going to kind of steer away from him. And you really can't do that. You have to look at it as a complete full picture. And perfect example is I was an idiot and I grabbed Gabe Davis in the fourth round because all I saw was that Kansas city chiefs playoff game where I watched the guy catch four touchdown passes. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a steal. And would you look at that? Gabe Davis was your typical five targets, Maybe a deep shot thrown in there, but he was a clear-cut wide receiver too. So let recency bias completely affect you when you're looking at the draft next year. Kind of try and look at it as a full big picture and just go from there. And Paul, without looking, how old do you think Nick Chubb will be next year? Because it's not a good age. Oh no, is he going to be 28? He's going to be 28. Oh God. Dude, I think he's so going to be a, a late sec. I think he'll fall down a couple picks, the late second round, third round. He's great value in the third round. If he's on the board, you have to take him because he's going to have a whole offseason with Deshaun Watson. I think the Browns will be better than this year just because Deshaun Watson will be able to practice with them for the whole offseason. And I know there's a lot, lot of different sides to that opinion with Deshaun Watson. Is his career tampered because of how long he didn't play for like could he come back next year i honestly i think the answer right now is that nobody knows because he's still a great athlete it's just he needs to get back into the swing of things so that's the story for the browns we're going into our last hero of the week not including our honorable mentions and that is leonard fournette now this guy was somewhat of a zero in like the middle of the season but he just he chose to be an rb1 at the perfect time he's had double digit points every week since week eight wow i did not know that 
it's and you know not the best double digits like he had a bunch of 11s and 10s mixed in there but no single digits you know he was mediocre for the whole year and then he had that explosive ability in fact this week was his highest scoring week since week 5 when he blew up for 35 but he hasn't had many 20 point games he had 25 this week he had 22 in week 6 and that's it. The only other notable game was 36 against Atlanta. So he's been consistently mediocre all year, which was upsetting because he was drafted early. He was drafted in the second round, third round, right? But he was kind of reached on. Yeah, he was drafted right after early early second round. He was actually drafted before Nick Chubb in our redraft league. But he, was. he, just, he just did great this week. He had 20 rushing attempts, which is great. <laughs> all the talk that we were saying about Rashad White... I think, you know, the Bucks were like, hey, we need to win games. Let's give it to our proven players. And Leonard Fournette showed that he is the proven RB1 on the team. Rashad White is still great. He's still passing the eye test. He's still going to be on Paul's fantasy team, all five of them, for the next couple years. Oh, yeah. Uh, but 20 rush attempts for 72 yards, no touchdowns, and then his receiving game which he has just exploded on in the past couple years, especially this year, nine catches for 90 yards. And that's 18 points right there in just receiving. Yeah, and Leonard Fournette had a great game, and it was good to see Lenny come back and play pretty well. To defend my boy Rashad White, Rashad White still had 15 points in the fantasy right. week, so they were both relevant against the Cardinals this week. But yeah, Leonard Fournette, you know, this him having these good games recently, it does, it does pose the question is, John, where do you draft Leonard Fournette next year, considering he comes back to Tampa? Like, what do you yeah. do with it? It's hard. I think he's he's a solid third-round value, too. He's going to be 28. But, dude, he looks great. He stayed healthy for every game but one. And last year, he was relatively healthy until fantasy playoffs began. But... This year, he just stayed healthy. He was huge in the receiving part of the game in terms of running backs. And knowing that your floor is 10 points on average, he's a solid RB2 on your team. And if you get him as your third running back, you're set. Yeah. For sure. And next week, Paul, in the championship, if you made it to the championship with Leonard Fournette, you get to go against division rival Carolina Panthers at home. He's going to feast next week. Lenny's going to have a great week next week. I think you're going to see the whole Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard thing with this backfield next week, where if you have Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, or if you have Leonard Fournette or Rashad White, I'd look to start both of them. Unless you have uh, unless you have an Eckler McCaffrey or like an Eckler Bar, you know, something crazy like that. But yeah, it's just, uh, I love Leonard Fournette. And I know we talked about it already, but I just don't know what to do with him. I don't know if I'm going to take him in the third round next year. I just don't know if I can. If he's there, if he falls to me, it, again, we don't know what the board looks like yet because draft season hasn't happened yet. The trade block hasn't opened back up. So we don't necessarily know what the Bucks situation is going to look like. But dude, if the Bucks get a young quarterback, I love Leonard Fournette next year because you know he's going to rely on those veterans like Lenny. That is a good point. That and is Mike Evans. Point. Mike Evans will probably be out of the picture, so it'll just be Chris Godwin being the wide receiver one. You'll have Leonard Fournette, and I do believe Kate Otten is going to ascend as a good tight end for the Buccaneers if he stays on the team and you know they don't get in a veteran tight end to take his spot or anything. But let's move on to the honorable mention section of this podcast. We have players who, who just scraped by on the list. Miles Sanders was an honorable mention for once a hero that turned into a zero, 
Miles Sanders, no one thought he was going to be a hero this year, much like Josh Jacobs. Now, Josh Jacobs put up much more phenomenal numbers than Miles Sanders, but Miles Sanders was very consistent this year, had those blow-up games, those 30-point games. He had a 29-point game against Jacksonville, 31 against Green Bay, and then 29 against the Giants. I mean, three 30-point games we can classify that as. That's great. And then every other game, you know, he was hanging out around the teens. The sad part was that his floor was like five. Much like the Chiefs, the Eagles can be unpredictable in their game script. And the Eagles were in the lead a lot, too, in most of their games. And they still wouldn't always give it to Miles Sanders. So, Paul, how about you talk about Sanders' most recent game against Dallas and how that turned out for him? Because he wasn't the hero that he was in some weeks. Turned out to be a pretty big zero. Yeah, so these past two weeks, Miles Sanders has actually pushed himself out of the RB1 category. He currently oh, he sits <clears throat> Yeah, he currently sits at RB13, which don't get me wrong, Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders have both single-handedly lifted the aura around the RB dead zone, which is the running backs you get in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round. They have single-handedly been exceptions to that rule. So overall, still a fantastic year for Miles Sanders. But yeah, he's gotten 1.9 points against Chicago two weeks ago and then only six points against Dallas this week. And he did lose a fumble for the second week in a row. And John, I know you watched the game. He seemed a little hobbled after the first quarter, didn't he? It seemed like he was... Uh... Yeah, he did. There, We just noticed it. Like They were playing Kenny Gainwell in a lot of the snaps. And then we really noticed it once we were in the red zone and we were giving it to Kenny Gainwell. It's like, why are you not putting Miles Sanders? But real quick, you mentioned the fumbles. Those are his only two lost fumbles all year. So oh, okay, he, good. He made it until the playoffs to, to fumble the ball. Again, it's a crazy semifinals week. Yeah. That's the, I didn't know that was his only two lost fumbles. So, yeah, it sucks, but don't get me wrong. If you had Miles Sanders, you definitely got your money's worth from where you probably grabbed him. But the only really thing that is concerning about, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a good week, and it's concerning that he hasn't put up double-digit numbers in two weeks. But the main thing, looking back at the Dallas game, is the Eagles offense scored 34 points this week, and Miles Sanders really didn't contribute much in that category. So even in a high-scoring affair, Miles put up very lackluster numbers. And everyone thought with Gardner Minshew under center that it's like, okay, this is the perfect week to rely on Miles Sanders. Minshew threw for three or four touchdowns. I think he had three touchdowns, and he looked good. He got the proper amount of rushing attempts. He just didn't do anything with it. Props to the Dallas defense. They did a great job. And Miles Sanders is one of those guys where if he's not scoring a touchdown, he's probably going to have a low-scoring game. In fact, in every game that he didn't score a touchdown, 11 points, 5 points, 8 points, 5 points, 5 points, 1 point, 6 points. So you need Miles Sanders to be scoring touchdowns, and which he did not do last year. I don't think he scored a touchdown all of last year. So He didn't, he no. In a crazy amount of improvement this year. He had three multi-touchdown games, and you know the games that he did score a touchdown, you're seeing those games where he was getting high teens to 20 to 30 points. Miles Sanders, he's a third-round draft pick for me next year if he falls to me. I would totally draft him. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, I think with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and this offense, it's going to be really tough to pass up on Miles Sanders if you see him in the third and especially the fourth. Yeah. Uh, you can get solid RB1 numbers out of somebody you can draft as your RB2. And just imagine you could have – your team could look like it could be Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, and Miles Sanders. 
and you're looking at your top three picks and you're like, oh, they, like these guys are going to put up consistent points for me. I really like Miles next year too. And it is, you have soothed me a little bit telling me I didn't know that his only two fumbles this year have been in the past two games. It was his first two fumbles and his first two fumble loss. So he never even dropped the ball once uh, as a running back, which is awesome. And I also like to point out that like, the whole problem with Miles Sanders, since he joined the league, he has not been staying healthy. So we never got to see a full year out of Miles Sanders. He was able to do that, and it's on a contract year where he might not be on the Eagles next year. Oh. So he could be on a different team. And that's what I wanted to bring up is one commonality between Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders is that they're both on a contract year. And I think that's something that I personally am going to be looking for next year when it comes to mock draft season and the big day, the big draft, is I'm going to be looking to get running backs on contract years. It seems to be a theme, not just this year, but last year too. I don't have any examples. I wish I did, but it just seems like running backs on contract years are set to perform well. And he did that this year, got plenty of volume. And I think that his value is at his highest that it has ever been in his career. And same with Josh Jacobs, too. So look for Miles Sanders on a new team next year. Honestly, I don't see the Eagles paying a running back. We don't really do that. But, yeah, Miles Sanders is our honorable mention zero of the week. He has not performed well since week 14, which is when the playoffs start. Paul, we got one more on our list here. This guy, we could call him a hero. I mean, we knew he was going to be a top five tight end. He ended up being, I think right now. He he's might, tight end two. Yeah, he's tight end two. He beat out Evan Ingram for tight end two. And that's because he scored 36 points. TJ Hawkinson, you know, he was like a mid-draft pick. Like he was maybe in the fifth or sixth round. But he had 13 catches on 16 targets for just over 100 yards. And he had two touchdowns, which means that Kirk Cousins, how many passes did he have? He threw the ball to Jefferson and Hawkinson a combined 25 times, and they both had 16 catches. So 25 for 32 just on his two weapons in TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 48 times. So he had 34 completions, which means 32 of those 34 were for T. Hawk and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that is crazy to think of. And I love TJ Hawkinson. And it's just crazy that Mark Andrews was being drafted in the second, third round. Kyle Pitts was being drafted in the second, third round. I'm pretty sure George Kittle was even going over Hawkinson in a lot of drafts this year. Oh yeah. And again, we've been harping it all year. We've been talking about it all year. Unless your name is Travis Kelsey, I am not drafting you in the first five rounds. And this is awesome to see from Hawkinson. He's a really good football player. He's a great tight end, but Hawk, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm still not touching you in the first Neither five rounds. Neither I, am I. And, nope. so, and he can be a star next year. I'd rather miss out on drafting a star tight end than drafting a tight end too early and missing out on all those star running backs and wide receivers that I could have had instead. It's just there's so many more of those positions than one position in your tight end. Like You can get by with an average tight end and win a championship. Now, T-Hawk? He could be a league winner for sure. 36 points. You, you see your tight end get 36 points. It's one of those things where you're like, it's going to be the most unluckiest way for me to lose this week. So congrats to our heroes and zeros. We have championship week coming up. If you made it, congratulations. Go win that money. Paul, last minute of the podcast, championship week advice, go. 
We've said it already in this episode, but I'm going to harp on it again. Don't get fooled by matchups. Don't let any of that shit get in your head. Play your superstars. Yeah, play your superstars. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. I was in a playoff game two years ago and two or three years ago. It was when Julio Jones was still on the Falcons. And Julio was like, had battling a hamstring all year. They said he was going to suit up, but he didn't practice much. And I was like, oh, do I start him or Darnell Mooney or whoever it was? And I was like, no, you know what? I'm playing Julio Jones. I drafted him second in my second round. Like he's my guy. I'm playing him. And I still lost, but Julio put up 24 points. Or so he put up a really good game. So my only piece of advice is in with your superstars, don't worry about the matchup. Don't worry about anything like that. Just play them. They are still a pivotal piece in that offense. And just like we talked about a couple of the zeros above, like D-Hop, Devontae Adams, it's not like they weren't being targeted. It's not like they weren't being tried. They weren't trying to get the ball in their hands. It just didn't work out for whatever reason. So play your stars. Don't let any – don't let the little Yahoo blurbs fool you. Don't play your stars. Play your stars. I like that. Well, that does it for episode 26. We might be back next week. It might be two weeks. We're we're coming to an end of the fantasy season. So we're definitely going to have a lot of off-season episodes for you guys. Thanks so much for listening to these 26 episodes. If this is your first time tuning in, I – I urge you to go back and listen to the other episodes that we've had. If you want to just follow us more on TikTok, we are the iTest Pod. It's the same name on Instagram. You can watch these episodes on YouTube if you are more of a visual kind of person. And you can also follow us along on Twitter. What else we got? I think that's it. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. And also, the last thing I want to leave you with is please slide into our DMs with questions. Message us on Instagram. Message us on TikTok. If you have fantasy football questions, we will happily answer them. And we will help you, whether it's the championship week, whether it's leading up to the draft, hey, what rookies do you like? Or whether it's next year, you know, where am I drafting these guys? Slide in our DMs. Ask us questions. We might even answer them on the show, but we'll definitely get back to you. So please ask us questions. We're here to help. We're here to help you win your money. So please, slide into our DMs. And we'll answer. All right, guys. We will see you soon. And we'll be back for more TikTok content tomorrow. Have a good one. Peace.